So let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we're able to gather here again together uh, this beautiful Sunday as we enter into spring and we think about uh, the rebirth and the new creation that is reflected in nature that represents uh, the new birth and the new creation that is in you. And Lord, as we delve into a message today that is uh, so important for the times in which we live, I pray that you would just open each uh, person's heart that hears it, that you would uh, bless and strengthen and edify believers through it, and that those that are still uh, wandering in the darkness of this world and lost and do not know you, that you might uh, open their hearts to the truth of the gospel and to the power of your word and help them to see the truth and that the only true way to live is in Jesus Christ. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I get into today's message, I wanted to share something with you guys. Um, you know, there's times in our lives when the Lord uh, just clearly answers prayer. And I believe last night was one of those instances in my life. Uh, my wife and I were just kicking back around 11 o'clock last night and my phone rang. My son called me and uh, we had a really bad connection. I didn't know why. But all I could hear him say is, um, I said, hey, dad, I, I rolled my truck on its side and then the line cut out. And I was like, what is going on? Um, so we tried two or three times to get in contact and finally I was able to get him on the phone and I could hear uh, a fire truck pulling up in the background. And he told me that he was in uh, downtown Boise where he lives and it was raining very hard last night and he was going through a roundabout. And um, he has a little Ford Ranger truck that's very light. And I don't know if he hit a puddle or what happened, but um, the truck started spinning a little bit. And when he went to correct it, he overcorrected and um, hit the center median and then went onto the other side of the road and the truck turned over on its side. Um, so luckily he was okay. It could have been much worse than it was. And it was actually amazing when my wife and I got down there to see the tracks uh, that led to his truck tipping over. He literally had went up on one sidewalk across the road, truck tipped on its side and ended up landing perfectly in an alley without hitting anything. It could, like I said, it could have been much worse than it was. Um, so we praise the Lord for that. And the reason that's an answer for prayer is every day, obviously, as a father, I pray for my family that they're all safe and well and taken care of. Uh, my wife, my son, my parents, my sister and her family, my wife's parents, I pray for the whole family. Um, but you know, if you have kids, you especially pray that they're safe and taken care of. And the Lord did deliver my son Wyatt last night through something which could have been much worse. So um, he has an extremely beat up truck with the front tire ripped off, but uh, he's healthy and sound and uh, doing okay. So I just wanted to, to share the fact that the Lord does answer prayer. And when he does, we need to let other Christians and other people know about it and praise him for his blessings. So I praise him and thank him for bringing my son through that last night. Today's message is entitled, How to Live in Troubled Times, the Beatitudes. It's based on Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of that amazing message that the Lord taught over 2,000 years ago now, during his ministry, is he blesses us with what's called the Beatitudes. And I'm going to get into those today. 
it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. Um, I firmly believe that if mankind was able to live according to the teachings that Christ laid down and the commands that Christ laid down in the Beatitudes, we would be able to overcome every problem that mankind faces from a from an individual situation up to an international in, up to international and geopolitical uh, relationships. There would be no war. There would be no economic hardship. There would be no pain and suffering if we could live according to what Christ taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And as I go through it, you're going to see that mankind falls very short of these teachings. Um, but it's one of those just profound portions of scripture that makes so clear that everything we need is within God's word. And uh, I firmly believe that when Christ taught the Sermon on the Mount, it was the greatest teaching in the history of the world. Um, there has never been anything more profound taught on how to live and how to function as a person, especially as a Christian believer, uh, more powerful than what Christ laid down in the Sermon on the Mount. So to preface this and to lead into it, and, and this sermon is quite long, so depending on how long it goes, I may break it up into two parts and do, do the first half today and the first half next Sunday. We'll see how it goes, but I don't want to ramble on too long. So we'll just play it by ear, and if it seems like it's going too long, I'll, I'll cut it off and we'll continue next week. <clears throat> but one thing I like to do every once in a while is sort of just go through the headlines, and I usually just go to something like Drudge Report, and sort of because they give you a flavor of what's happening in the world. And so last night I pulled up Drudge Report, and uh, I just want you to think if you could go back 50 or 75 years and sort of try to explain to somebody that this is what is happening in the world right now. Um, there were headlines announcing the fact that Bruce Jenner is running for governor of California. Now, that's not an actual headline on Drudge. Um, most of the headlines say Caitlin, Caitlin Jenner is running for governor of California. I call him Bruce because he is a man. He was born a man. Um, he's an extremely confused and messed up individual that now dresses as a woman and identifies as a woman. Um, but if you're familiar with the state of California at all, and it's a state I grew up in, you realize that when you hear something that sounds as so insane as a man dressed as a woman running for governor of California, the first thought I, I had was he'll probably win. That makes perfect sense based on the condition of the world that we live in right now, and especially of places like uh, the state of California. So I wouldn't be surprised if he became the next governor. And they've really got a lot of problems right now with their current governor, Gavin Newsom, who is just an absolute uh, train wreck, who is who has caused so much horrific suffering um, because of what he's used the lockdowns, uh, what he's used the COVID-19 lockdowns for. Um, it would make sense that they would just go down another level into somebody like Bruce Jenner. So that's one of the headlines. Another one, uh, new photos show Epstein, Maxwell, Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, if you're not familiar with Jeffrey Epstein, was the man that supposedly hung himself in his jail cell after he was arrested for child sex trafficking. He was a known pedophile, had was very uh, was connected with a lot of very high-profile people in the United States and around the world. Um, 
I personally don't think he committed suicide in a cell. I think he had so much information on so many high-level people that he was eliminated before he could share what he knew. But this headline says, new photos show Epstein and Maxwell were VIP guests in Clinton White House. And we all know about the background of the Clintons. So again, just another picture of what America um, ha has degraded to. Another headline, study scriptures that legitimize violence cause believers to support deadly acts. Now, this article, I, I, I read through it. I, I sort of just speed read, sped read it. Um, uh, talks predominantly about the fact that, um, you know, the Muslim scriptures justify in the mind of Muslims um, many of the horrific terrorist acts that they carry out um, in extreme Islam belief, but they also allude to uh, Christianity and other religions. Another headline, grocery price shock coming to a store near you. And I think this is something that Americans are already starting to see is the price of groceries and other goods is starting to increase. We're seeing the, the, the onset of inflation here in the United States. And I think what we're seeing is the beginnings of the of our economy possibly um, crumbling completely because it just cannot continue uh, to function under the debt load that's been placed on it. And if you study what's going on um, with our uh, government and with our banking system, you realize that a lot of this has been planned for many, many years. It's the culmination of, of, of efforts by those that have sought to cripple America and bring it down. And we're starting to see that uh, uh, come forth or, or show forth through inflation and increased prices on so many things. One example is, you know, I could go buy a sheet of plywood uh, at the local Lowe's or Home Depot a year or two ago, and it would have probably cost me anywhere from 18 to the most expensive might be $35. And now an average sheet of plywood is between 50 and $60. One of the things that's just skyrocketing in price is lumber. Another headline, struggling to stay afloat, people turn to strangers online for help. Many, many people uh, around the world and in America are starting to uh, really suffer because of what's happened through the whole uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic that has just devastated so much of the world. Not the, the virus. The virus is actually quite innocuous, has a 99.7% survival rate, but it has been used in such sinner, sinister and nefarious ways that many people are suffering horrendously because of the economic uh, impact that is, that is uh, taking place all over the world because of this. Uh, another one, a uh, D.C. pastor used um, PPP loan. Those are the loans that they gave to businesses that were basically, if you follow the guidelines, I guess they were forgivable. Um, and these loans were done to help, you know, businesses through um, the economic problems caused by the, the COVID-19 lockdowns. D.C. pastor used PPP loan to buy a Tesla uh, Baltimore property. U.S. attorney says. The reason I shared that one is because uh, it's very clear that you really can't tell in most instances nowadays any difference between the so-called church and the world. Um, they just sort of blend together uh, because the church has become so worldly, uh, the majority of it at least. So D.C. pastor used PPP loan to buy Tesla, Baltimore property, U.S. attorney says. 
like I said, these are just headlines. I'm not saying whether the stories are true or false, how well written they are, how much val validity they have. Usually Drudge Report tries to say as accurate as possible, but they're, they've got some quirks that are concerning as well. <clears throat> but I'm just trying to get across. These are the headlines that we're facing. Another one, Pentagon UFO report. They acknowledge the reality, whistleblower says. So I do think very soon we're going to start seeing the government uh, really start trying to convince people that UFOs are real. We've been visited by aliens, and that may be something that I'll address in future sermons because it is something that I've studied quite extensively over the years. Um, and I think UFOs and uh, reports of, of alien life um, contacting us uh, are going to be used um, in very sinister ways to try to undermine the teaching of the gospel, undermine the Christian faith. So I think it's important for us to understand how these things are used uh, in that context. And then the last one, uh, basically multiple headlines continuing to push the COVID-19 narrative and promote vaccines. Um, just headline after headline. I heard somebody the other day told me that they were driving somewhere for a couple hours and the best they could tell every 10 minutes there was something on the radio trying to convince people that they need to take the vaccine. That's very, very concerning. And, and to me, it's especially concerning because I don't know how long it's been since I've shared this with you guys, but um, one of the things that led me into ministry was, was way back in the early 2000s. I, I just became very frustrated trying to figure out what was true and what was false. And I, and I knew that there was something very wrong in the world and wrong in America. So I just started digging and I wanted to find out what, what's really going on. What really is the truth behind what we see happening? Is the news media telling us the truth? Are the newspapers lying? What is happening? And I will tell you that um, it became an obsession of mine for a few years and it took me to a very dark place. And, and I really learned that the powers that are in control of this world and in control of this country are evil beyond what you can possibly even imagine. Um, uh, we're starting to see it really show up now a lot in America. Um, but I was horrified to learn about what's really happening in the world and in America and who's really in control of things. As a Christian, that shouldn't shock you because we are told in scripture that the prince of this world is Satan. He is evil. He is a liar. And he is the arch enemy of Jesus Christ. And he, his, his whole purpose is to, to try to thwart the plan that God has set in place to save his chosen ones. So it shouldn't be surprising that this is what we, uh, learn when we really start digging to find out what's going on in the world around us. But with that in mind, and the things that I did learn, it has helped me to develop, and this is all leading up to the sermon, folks, so just bear with me, because I really wanted to, to help uh, put how we can apply the Beatitudes that Christ blessed us with when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, how they are so applicable to the times in which we live. And I think it's very important to, to see them uh, to see the world through the context of Scripture. And that's why I'm sharing this with you at the beginning. But because of what I learned, um, I developed personal pol policies that have really helped me immensely over the years, and especially during this last year since this whole COVID thing came about. And these policies are very simple, and they may sound 
uh, a little generalized. They may sound a little extreme to people that maybe haven't um, researched the things I've researched, but these two policies mainly are whatever the mainstream media says is false until proven true. If I see a newscast and it's by ABC or NBC or CBS or CNN or MSNBC, um, any of those channels, if they put out, if they proclaim something in their newscast, I automatically assume it's false until it's proven true. That's how I look at it. Whatever a politician or a government official says, I assume to be a lie until it's proven true. Now, that may sound negative, it may sound extreme, but I will tell you that has helped me to figure things out a lot over the years, and especially this last year. And I'll give you a great example of that. Last March, when I was on one of, in, in Kenya for one of my trips there, I left right when this whole virus thing was starting to take off, and I was really trying to figure out if I should go on this trip. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I thought the media was just really trying to make something out of out of nothing, which really is what they've done. But anyway, so I go to Kenya and about a week into the trip, my wife and my son start letting, telling me that, you know, things are spiraling out of control in America. People are freaking out. You can't buy toilet paper. The shelves are being emptied. Can't find bottled water. And I'm like, what is going on? And then shortly after that, Trump locked America down to foreign travel. And that really caused me problems because I had my, all my flights had to be changed. So getting back home, I literally had to go from Kenya to Ethiopia, to Dublin, Ireland, to Washington, DC, to Chicago, and then finally to Boise. It took almost three days, I think, to fly home. Um, uh, a few days before I left, Kenya started really freaking out and being horrified that they were going to you know, have just this wildfire of COVID-19 cases because they'd supposedly found a couple of them. And if you studied anything about the testing, you realize that pretty much any kind of cold or any kind of sickness is going to test positive for the COVID-19 test. Even the man that, that developed the PCP or the PPC test, I think it's called or CCP test, I forget the exact acronym, said that it can't be used in the way that they're using it. But it has been very successful in scaring a lot of people. But the, the thing I wanted to share was I, I just had a sense that this was something very, very bad. Not the virus, what was going to be done with it? Because I knew that those who really are seeking to stop, to, to, to mess with God's plan through the gospel and to try to bring down um, America as a country could use something like this because they love a good crisis. I forget who it was on the left that said, never let a good crisis go to waste. It was someone in the Obama administration. And, and I knew that they could use this for very sinister means. But what really showed me that something was very wrong is when I, I finally, the first place I hit when I got back to the States and I had a few minutes to, to, to just wait from my next flight was Chicago. And then I'm sitting there and they had CNN on the television monitors. And, and I watched for about 30, 45 minutes. And, you know, Wolf Blitzer was on there with his somber face and they had, you know, this running like score next to him of infections, deaths. And, and they're just, you could just see them just stoking the flames of fear. And after I watched this for about 30 to 45 minutes, I thought this whole thing's planned. They're going to use this and they're going to run with this as far as they can because they can they can use the fear that this will create to absolutely control people. 
And I will tell you folks that I had, I, I knew that because of, of, of so much time spent researching what's going on in the world. I'm not saying I'm any smarter than anybody else, but I've just taken the time to try to really learn what's happening. But I will tell you in the last year and a half, I have not been wrong. Um, everything about this thing has shown to be mostly false. I mean, like I said, the test um, has, has proven to be extremely unreliable. And the fact that the CDC for 17 years has used guidelines to uh, track and quantify and uh, to, keep a, uh, to keep a tally on um, how diseases progress and grow each year in America, you know, they use it to track the flu or whatever it is. They've used these guidelines for 17 years. They threw those out when this virus came along, developed new guidelines that clearly, when you read these guidelines, and I've looked at them, clearly put any medical person, a doctor in a position of having to label anything as COVID-19 if someone dies, if they, whether it's, and we've had, we've heard the stories over the last year where people die of suicide, a car wreck, whatever it is, and it's labeled COVID-19 because supposedly they tested positive to that at some point. But the point I'm making is I, I, I just, the more this, the longer this goes on, the more I see just lie after lie after lie after lie um, from it. Why do I share this? Because the prince of this world is the father of lies, and therefore this world is full of lies. That's just the way it is. The prince of this world, Satan, is the father of lies, and therefore this world is full of lies. So it shouldn't shock us to see the things take place that we've seen take place over the last year. Look at, uh, I'm going to pull up this verse here, John 8.44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. <laughs> he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The world right now is the realm of Satan and his forces. Satan is the father of lies, and that's the position that he works from. And we've seen that so clearly over the last year. I don't think anybody that, that's watched any part of this with any kind of discernment or critical thinking could argue that fact. As a Christian, this is one of the reasons why as Christians, we must be in the world, but not of the world. That's why our mission verse for this ministry is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, more than any time, I'm almost 57 years old, and I would say now more than any time in my life, discernment must be developed if you are a Christian. You must strive to spend as much time as you can in prayerful study of the word, word praying for wisdom, knowledge, and discernment, because you are going to need it moving forward. And if you don't think that's true and you haven't seen what's taken place over the last year, you must have been asleep. You've got to strive to sharpen your skills of discernment moving forward because things are absolutely crazy. Look at Daniel 12, one through four, and this helps lead us into today's message. 
At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as such as has never such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So it's talking about believers here. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn away to righteous and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal this, the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, notice I underline that last portion there. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And I believe that is a perfect representation of what we see in the world right now. We see people running to and fro, and we see knowledge increasing. I'll give you an example. This is from a neuroscientist who's trying to explain what technology does to the reading brain. He's, he's addressing the problem of what technology, what smartphones do to people's ability to concentrate and to think clearly. And what he writes in this article, I've just got a little excerpt here. He says, the fact that a circuit is plastic, he's talking about the circuits in our brain that help us to comprehend when we read. The fact that a circuit is plastic is both its beautiful strength and its Achilles heel. Reading reflects our medium. And to the extent that a digital medium is going to require us to process large amounts of information very quickly, it will diminish from the time we have for slower processing work. And these slower processes are deep learning, the ones that are more cognitively challenging. Now, let me say that again. To the extent that a digital medium is going to require us to process large amounts of information very quickly. Think of that scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the information that's just moving across the screen. I'm convinced the human mind is not designed to function in that way. It's not healthy to have that constant input of just fact after information, 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 just scrolling in front of our faces. So he says, uh, the digital medium is going to require us to process large amounts of information very quickly. It will diminish from the time we have for slower processing work. And these slower processes are deep learning, the ones that are more cognitively challenging. Why is that important from a Christian perspective? How does the above affect our feeding on the Word of God? When you're reading the Bible, are you speed reading through each page? No. I can tell you, when I read the newspaper or I'm reading the news on a computer screen, quite often I'll speed read. I'll go through and look at the first sentence, the last sentence in a paragraph. I learned to speed read years ago. I'm not looking for every detail. I'm getting the flavor of the article. And if it's interesting and something that I think I may need to know, then I'll go back and read it more slowly and, and strive to learn what I need to learn from it. When you read God's word, you read it slowly. You savor it. You're waiting, for, you're praying that the Holy Spirit will show you what he wants to reveal to you through God's word. So how might destroying people's ability to slow down 
and comprehend and really think about their reading affect someone's ability to feed on the word of God as we're commanded to do in scripture? Might Satan know that a distracted and busy mind may lead to a distracted and vulnerable spirit? Can you not see how Satan can use modern technology to move people's thoughts away from God's word or to destroy their ability to really comprehend God's word because their minds are just jumbled with so much garbage information? Something very interesting to consider. And this is what I think back in the 70s or 80s, they came up with this term called culture shock. And I remember hearing about it in, in either elementary or, or, or junior high school to where there would come a time when technology was increasing so rapidly that it would it would create culture shock in people where we couldn't handle what was happening with technology. And I think that's what we're seeing now. I think it's because why we see so much of a rise in suicides, drug addiction, alcoholism, violence, um, domestic issues. One of the reasons is because there's so such a rapid presentation of useless information coming at people from all different directions. So I see Satan working in this busyness and this distraction that we have inundating us through technology. Now, another point I wanted to make was I remember uh, seeing predictions of what the future would be like you know, and back then they'd say, this is what it's going to be like in 1990. You're going to have flying cars. And, you know, in 2000, um, you know, we're going to uh, have flying cars and all this amazing stuff's going to be going on. And when they show these, when they would show these films in school of what the future was going to be like. And I remember actually seeing, I remember one film vividly, and I think I was in fifth or sixth grade where they showed a family sitting in their living room and this big TV screen was on the wall. And it said, you'll be able to grocery shop through the screen and everything you need, you just say it and, and they'll bring it to you, whatever. And, and it just looked like this nirvana and everybody was so happy and peaceful. The problem with that is they leave out one very important thing. And all the predictions that you see like that in movies or from past years and in TV, whatever it is, they leave out something very important, and that's human nature. And I believe that what we're seeing now that they didn't realize was going to happen. Then. And, I think, and I think some did realize it, like if George Orwell, when you read 1984. But really, George Orwell, he sort of got it backwards because he showed how human nature was used in corrupt ways. But what we're seeing is human nature infecting things. And it's infected everything. So all these things that could be used for good end up being used for bad and end up being corrupted because of human nature. So that's one of the reasons that the future is not turning out the way we thought or the way we wanted, because Nobody ever wants to take into account that human nature is fallen, human nature is sinful. So whatever humans develop and make, that human nature is going to going to corrupt it. And I think that's what we see happening right now. And it makes it very, it makes these tools that Satan can use very proficiently, like I said, to keep people from the message of the gospel and to try to mess with Christ's bride the church, which he's doing so well in these times in which we live. Again, the reason I share this with you guys is I would beg you, especially if you are Christians, to take time away from the world. Take time away from technology. I can tell you that one of the best things I did a couple years ago is I started 
turning on do not disturb on my cell phone. Obviously, I didn't have it on today. And really, the only reason I don't have it on today is because last night when my son was in that accident, um, I was trying to get in touch with a, with a tow truck diver. And because he's not on my override list and my phone numbers, I needed to make sure he could get through. So I turned off do not disturb. And I forgot to turn it back on today. I always have do not disturb on my phone. Very few phone numbers can get through and actually make my phone ring because I got tired of every morning when I was trying to pray and study the Bible, my phone was constantly beeping, constantly ringing. And think about that. They've done studies. And if you're working and somebody interrupts you, that interruption might only last 30 seconds, but they have shown that quite often in a work environment, once you're interrupted from a task, it takes you an average of 20 minutes to return to actually being productive in that task again. So think of how much time you waste if you're trying to be productive if you're interrupted four or five times a day. Now think of how many times you're interrupted by that stupid little device called a cell phone or a smartphone. And think of what that does when you're trying to really meditate on God's word, even if it's just a beep, because that beep might be, was that a Facebook thing? Was that a text? What was that? Step away, simplify, get back to trying to commune with God. And it's so important for these times in which we live. Look at these three verses here, two from Proverbs, one from Psalms. Psalm 910, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now look at that verse in Daniel that we looked at earlier. What did it end with? Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So we see knowledge increasing throughout the world. We see knowledge increasing rapidly right now. You can literally go on Google and figure out anything. If I wanted to learn how to roast a pig, I can figure it out in 20 minutes on YouTube. If I want to learn how to rebuild the engine on my car, a couple hours on YouTube, I can figure out how to do that. So there's very valuable knowledge on there, but it's just knowledge. What's missing is wisdom. And as knowledge has increased in the world, and most the majority of knowledge we have now through technology is useless knowledge, mindless knowledge, wisdom has decreased exponentially. That's why we see what's taking place in America happening right now. That's how we have a guy like Joe Biden claiming to be president when he obviously wasn't elected. I'm not going to get into all that, but because people have lost the ability to think critically, to discern truth from error, and to really look at things from a point of godly wisdom, all this ridiculous stuff is able to take place. So knowledge, useless knowledge has increased. Wisdom has decreased radically. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what we have to strive for. And then Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God tells us to be still. Satan wants to do everything he can to be the opposite of God. He wants to be anti-God, anti-Christ. So Satan knows if I can take away people's ability to be still and to think clearly and concisely, I'm going to affect the effectiveness of the gospel. So start looking at things in that way. What am I lo looking at on my phone? 
What am I watching on TV? Is this moving me closer to Christ or farther Christ? Is this Christ-like or worldly? Very important nowadays to start thinking that way. Very important. So I pray that you guys would just really think about that and pray about that. Now, what I'm going to do, because I've basically spent over a half hour introducing this message, what I want to do is wait until next week to get into the Beatitudes. So next week, we'll go through a little bit of a review of what I've talked about today. And then as we go through the Beatitudes, we'll start seeing that the answer to all that we're struggling with in the world right now and the way to live in the troubled times in which we are living through is laid out for us in the Sermon on the Mount and very concisely laid out for us in the Beatitudes. So I'm going to stop right there because, like I said, I've still got page after page going through the Beatitudes. So I just want to be able to take my time. And it's a very important message. So we're going to do this in two parts. So I thank you guys for listening today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your word. Uh, I think it's so clear that we are living in very just um, chaotic, uh, dark times. But the positive side of that is the fact that as Christians, your light shines more brightly in the darkness. We don't have to be drugged down by the darkness. We don't have to be weighed down by all the evil that's taking place in the world. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, sustain us through the coming week, that you would guide our steps, that you'd open up mess, uh, opportunities for us to share the gospel, and that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, what I want to get to here, folks, is moving ahead in my notes, since we're going to break this up into two weeks, is if you guys get a chance check out our sponsor website, elephantwalk.net. Like I've talked about before, this is a business that my brother and I started in an effort to help support the ministry, help to support the people that we do business with in third world and in developing nations. And um, we've got some amazing products. I'm really proud of what we are able to, uh, to, to offer up. And we just got a new shipment in from Kenya a couple days ago. So if you check out the website over the coming weeks, uh, we'll be adding new inventory daily. Uh, but everything that happens through elephantwalk.net helps people in need and helps move our ministry forward. Our motto is caring in every step, reflected in the quality of our products and the efforts to combat poverty and support wildlife conservation that our sales help support. So, so please check out elephantwalk.net. Um, we definitely need all the help we can get. Please consider, consider donating to the ministry. You can do so directly by going to the way, the letter R122.org. That's our website. Um, I publish each sermon the following week, usually on Friday. And my podcast is, you can listen to the podcast version at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field. There's also lots of other great uh, Christian podcasts there. And we're on YouTube at The Way Ministry Church. Thank you so much for listening to today, guys. We'll be back here next week with part two of How to Live in Troubled Times. God bless you guys.